You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, and welcome to Fenestration Conversations. I'm Pat Flannery. Today I spoke with Phil Lewin. Phil is a veteran window and door fenestration consultant. Uh, He's been uh, working in the industry for more than 30 years, as you'll hear. Uh, He has uh, just a a ton of interesting stories and uh, experiences, Uh, very curious about uh, standards and science of window and door uh, design and fabrication, how things work. Phil and I touch on uh, air infiltration and exfiltration, uh, we talk about his filibuster column uh, in uh, Fenestration Review magazine. We get into low E coatings and how they can cause condensation. We talk about uh, the ER versus U value uh, debate. And we get into uh, some proposals for rain screen designs and also emerging, emerging technology like uh, vacuum insulating glass. A very co- interesting conversation with Phil today. Uh, hope you enjoy. All right, I'm here with Phil Lewin. Phil, how are you doing today? It's a beautiful day uh, in the COVID neighborhood. Yes, a beautiful day in the COVID neighborhood. Just just you and the chipmunks, I hear. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep uh, the chipmunks are, are having a field day with our, our bird food and nothing I do stops them. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, they, they, they have more incentive than you, Phil. That's, that's, that's always the problem in, in life as in, as in business, right? As, yeah. Like that. Whoever's the most motivated okay. wins. <laughs> okay. Unless we want my blood pressure to go up, we have to stop talking about chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I hear you. All right. So listen, uh, Phil, let, let's start out. Just, just give us, um, well, first of all, you're, you're of course, the, uh, the, the famous uh, uh, author of the filibuster column that appears in your Fenestration Review magazine. Why don't you give us a bit about your, uh, a bit about your background, Phil, and, uh, and, and what, you've, what you've been up to in this industry okay. for the last, low these many years? Okay. Well, basically, in 1984, I, asked, I answered a classified ad uh, in the window industry, having that day brought our first child and my wife home from the hospital where he was born, and uh, joined the window industry uh, with a company, Canadian Thermal Windows. And shortly after that, a fellow whose name I believe was Don Prudhomme looked at me. He was a salesman at Schlegel, and he said, "You look like you got a brain." Or I'm paraphrasing him. There's this <laughs> new thing called the A440. You ought to you ought to get a copy and read it. So I did. And uh, it, it actually raised a lot of questions. So I wrote a, a letter or I don't, even email, I don't even remember what it would be in 1984, to tell you the truth, but to a woman named Madeline Rousseau up at the, uh, um, up in Ottawa at the uh, National, I'm having a word blank, the, uh, the, the National Institute that's up there. And uh, Madeline sent me back about an eight inch pile of documents to do with window technology and gas and all sorts of stuff, which I devoured. And after having devoured that, discovered that as little as I thought I knew, I knew a lot more than uh, uh, most of the people that I ran across in the window industry. So that that cemented my undeserved reputation (laughs) for having some level of expertise in the the window industry. And from there, I've just listened to the right people. people, uh, you know, uh, from uh, 
uh, different uh, consulting firms from uh, Energy Star, uh, uh, the, the uh, laboratories up in Ottawa, and kept an open mind and uh, done pretty well over the years. Yeah, just uh, just just building up that expertise. I know I, I've I've always seen you at the at the the meetings, the various uh, uh, committee meetings and stuff at Fenestration Canada. And uh, do do you ever do IGMA? Have I seen you there too? I don't. Um, I've been I've been uh, I've never been to an IGMA meeting. I've certainly yeah. uh, talked. Margaret is definitely one of the people that I've uh, consulted with. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are very, are are very generous with their time when you ask them questions and whether it's uh margaret or now al at uh, mm -hmm. uh fencan or jeff baker at multiple things you know people have always been really really good with their time you know people consider me their expert and these are the people who i consider to be my experts yeah yeah no they, they they've got some you, you know you run into some great people doing this and uh, and like you say uh, uh very generous with their time very generous with uh, the information they share and, and their expertise. I've, I've, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know everybody, uh, certainly over the years myself. Um, let's talk, let's talk a bit about, uh, well, you're, you're, it's, it's not your last column because we have another issue about to, about to hit the, uh, about to hit the streets very soon. Um, but uh, if we go back to the spring issue, uh, you had your uh, letting the air out. Well, that's what I called it, the letting the air out column about uh, uh, air air, air exfiltration from uh, from buildings. And it's 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 not something you know. We're always talking about infiltration, right? We're always talking about ingress. Uh, well, uh, don't let the air in. Uh, but uh, re recap for us what you talked about in in, in that column. And okay, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with one more expert, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Last name escaping me, uh, I know he's passed away uh, with a company, Can-Am, a fellow named Tony. Tony was the industry's expert on uh, stack effect. And stack effect, uh, particularly in high-rise buildings, is often the source of severe problems with, with moisture and air because what it is is it basically, uh, and this is going to be a bad description, but it basically creates a sucking effect through the, the core of a building so that it's pulling air to infiltrate uh, in a lower level and then uh, pushing it out at the top. Uh, basically, the thing is, in a home, in a high rise, whatever, anything, anytime air enters, unless pressure is, there's a way for pressure to build up, and it won't. There, there's a great need to equalize pressure. For everything that enters, something has to leave. Yeah. That you can you can take this down to a room, uh, to the point where I've been in in houses where people were having problems with with airflow in the room, and they said, well, you know, I've I've got, you know, I'm doing everything I can. I've done done all sorts of stuff, and I look and say, oh, you wall to wall carpeting, and they say yes, and I say, uh, where was the uh, the the return? Mm -hmm. Oh well, I think that got buried in this corner. Mm -hmm. Well then how is, you know, for, for you to get all this air that you want to get into this room to freshen it, where's the air going to go? Right. Uh, and so, you know, cut a hole in your carpet and uh, get, get your air circulating again. Right. Because right. that's the whole point of circulation, uh, to get air moving through a room, a house, whatever it is, it's got to have a place to go in, 
whatever you want in, and it's got to have a place to go out. Uh, sometimes that can work against you, though. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned, I believe, in, in that article, you know, I'm I'm 70 now, so I'm allowed to forget things. <laughs> uh, you know, I was constantly telling people that if you ask me something and you're expecting an instant r recall, it might take me it might take me a, a little while to recall things. Funny thing is, there's some things that I can recall crystal clear. Like uh, there was a time that a dealer called me and begged me to go to a customer who was really unhappy with a new install of one window that he had done. Yeah. And the one window was at a farmhouse. Mm -hmm. The farmhouse was in the middle of a field totally exposed. Um, I should mention that uh, this was a really bad winter, dead of winter. It was cold. Right. And I went out to the farmhouse because I'm stupid. <laughs> but also... You were dedicated, you know, Phil. Dedicated. I'm, I'm, I'm also <laughs> curious. But, you know, you go to a situation like this. Um, as I said, I, I don't feel like I have uh, window superpowers. So you're also nervous that you're going to walk into a situation where you're being watched and you don't have the level of expertise to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. But I, I like to, to bring the best tools I can. Mm -hmm. In this particular case, and I know I sent you a picture of this. Yes, you did. I brought a little tool uh, called a, a, a smoke gun, for lack of a better word. Now, the difference between, you know, people do testing using incense and cigarettes and and uh, there's a device that I, I recently was using uh, where basically it's like lighting a candle and blowing out in such a way that it just keeps smoldering but the problem with all those devices is that the visible smoke you have is actually lighter than the air so that it's rising what you're hoping for is if you put it next to something uh, you're trying to determine where there's a problem is that it will blow so severely that it will break the normal flow of of the smoke rising. However, these smoke guns, which are, are primarily used in test labs, um, they're different. Uh, they, it, it's a little glass tube with a chemical in it and a uh, uh, rubber bubble at one end that you squeeze. And when you squeeze it, what comes out uh, is a smoke-like chemical that actually has the same weight as air. So unless the air is moving for other reasons, it will just sit there for a long period of time. So it is the ideal way to test what's going on with airflow around a window. Right. Now, you also have to keep in mind that if you're in the dead of winter, as I was, if you put a little of this next to the glass in the center of a window, it's going to, over time, it's going to start to drop. Okay. Why? Because it's getting colder. It's getting colder because even the best glass still is somewhat of a cold panel in the dead of winter. Right. So, um, any case, so that was the tool that I went out with. Okay. And I met the, the woman who owned the farmhouse, and she explained to me as we're going to our window, Another failure. Well, what do you mean another failure? I've had seven windows, I think the number was, installed by seven different companies. And only one's any good. Oh, well, that's interesting. We immediately wondered why she didn't get all her windows from the, the one that was any good, but yeah. I didn't ask the question. <laughs> so go over to the window that uh, 
my dealer had installed, a really good dealer, by the way, and a guy who cared an awful lot. That's why he asked me to go. You know, yeah. he was he was pretty upset because he couldn't see anything wrong. Yeah. So I checked around the perimeter for the around the installation with my little uh, smoke tool, and nothing's moving. And I checked the it's a, it's a double hung that that's back at that point in time it was all double hungs, not casements yet. Right. And I checked the, the the corners of the meat rail, and I, ch- I checked I, I checked everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing was moving. And but you stand next to this for any length of time, you feel somewhat cold compared to standing in the middle of the room. Okay. 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 So this woman is looking at me like you know I'm I'm a failure, yeah. and she says, "Well, why don't we go? I'll show you a good window." Right. Okay. Um, I really had my doubts about allowing myself to be taken to the quote unquote good window, but you know, in for a nickel in for a dime. Yeah. So she takes me to the good window and you know, we stand, we're just standing there for a while. And she says, see how warm we feel. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we're not getting cold like we did in front of your bad window. Right. Right. I said, okay, well, do you mind if I, do some of my smoke testing on this window. Oh no, go right ahead. So I start going around the perimeter and, you know, checking the meat rails and installation seemed to be just fine. I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm standing looking out the window and I'm looking down and coming out of the drain holes of the sill it looked like I was standing on top of Niagara Falls, watching the water go over the falls below me. I could see all my smoke having been sucked through and out the bottom of the window. Sir. I said to well, I showed her and she said, well, what's that? And I said, that's your warm air going out. And the reason you're feeling nice and toasty here is that Air is constantly being sucked out. All any air that's cooling off is getting pulled out the window, and we're standing in a beautiful warm draft uh, <laughs> that uh, your heating bill is providing. <laughs> oh man, that, I, uh, I, I like that story. <laughs> well, the the best part of that story is she actually got it. She yes. believed me. Right. You know. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and, and to put it in in COVID terms, she didn't think that I that I was making up a disease that didn't exist to, yeah. uh, you know, to uh, <laughs> the get bamboo. a boat or something. Well, the smoke the smoke would have been a, pow- a, fair, a fairly powerful illustration. You were you were you were lucky to have that tool. That yeah, would've... I try not to go places without tools. Another tool that I've used recently, uh, in combination, is uh, two tools. One is a little thing that looks the size of a uh, charge card. Okay. And you put it up against the sealed unit and it will light up and tell you whether or not there is a low E coating in the sealed unit. And it can even tell you which layer the coating is on. How can it now, do that? Um, it, it's magic. I don't it's know. You magic, can buy these yeah. things for about six, <laughs> like 60 bucks. Uh, they, they might even be advertised in Federation Review. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Those companies I, that are all selling all these kits and stuff, uh, yeah, you know, they, they have it. It's useful, but it doesn't tell you one thing that often comes up. Um, many years ago, um, 
I think I, I am responsible for this. Uh, I came up with the term solar gain and solar shield for a company that I was working for. And I, I think that uh, those or variations of those have become quite common. Um, the result of that is that somebody says, oh, I want solar shield. I want the glass, the Louis glass, that's uh, going to keep more heat out. I don't want the glass that's uh, going to you know, bring in more solar gain. Now, if you look purely mathematically, um, and I know Energy Star has really had a problem with this over the years uh, with their standards, and that's why they have traditionally two pathways. One pathway, which basically says, um, if you have an ER of at least this, you're Energy Star. And the other pathway is your U-value can be no more than this in your energy star. The U-value path is great for a solar shield type glass, one that limits solar gain. However, the ER path rewards you for high solar gain. So uh, the typical high solar gain glass uh, qualifies for energy star through the ER path. Right. Uh, I know that a real problem uh, in the industry, and I'm not sure, I don't think it's been completely resolved yet, is that uh, builders who are making uh, Energy Star new homes have a problem with the high solar glass, high solar gain glass, because their houses are so tight that it creates more problems for heat buildup and air conditioning than it benefits. They'd be almost better off with windows that are not energy star but the way the codes were written at one point they couldn't do that i know mm -hmm. that that's been I'm, I'm not really as close to the energy star for new homes program as i used to be so i'm not sure how much progress they've made with that but but that was a problem hmm. any case so you've got this card that can tell you of low e mm -hmm. see I, I i segued a little bit but i came back to it well done i've got this card that tells you for Louis, but it doesn't tell you which kind of low e it is so the, here's a trick. Bring a sealed unit or two, each one, say, 12 inches by 12 inches. Okay. And you go to the window, you know, the, the homeowner is saying, well, this one window here is not, you know, I, I, it, it's different than the others. Okay. You know, I had all my other windows done by this company, and this one is different, and I think there's something defective. So, you know, open the window enough that you could actually place or have your customer hold the little sample in it in the opening. So it's getting light at the same at the same angle, same location uh, the window is in general. And you have a temperature gun, press the trigger pointing it at the center of the glass, it tells you what the temperature is. Then do the same thing to the the glass of the window. Right. Are are the temperatures basically the same? Okay. Is uh uh, did the customer say, well, I had all this, uh, this glass that was low solar gain, and your temperature here is a lot higher than my glass, so somebody made a mistake and gave me uh, the, the, the high temperature glass, and you can see that my contract says I was supposed to get the low temperature glass. And I said, well, you're right. It's going to be a question as to uh, your contract is correct. Uh, the question is, did the, the dealer involved order the glass correctly, and then the manufacturer grabbed the wrong low E, I've seen it happen, yeah. or did the dealer involved not place the order correctly? 
but you're right somebody is responsible for this the dealer will have to talk to you and between the two of you decide uh what the resolution is sometimes the mm -hmm. resolution is cash discounts other product and sometimes the resolution is uh gotta go change the glass yeah right but uh right. so those are three tools that can be very handy for uh uh between the the smoke gun the uh uh the low e card and uh the uh heat gun yeah the heat it can be gun. very handy in the field you want to leave that sample i guess you'd want to leave that sample in there for a while right to uh to balance out the temperatures to the extent possible right like how long well, would you, I, would you I think that there? might be a little bit more than necessary generally uh you can get a pretty quick clear <clears throat> idea of what's happening uh within a minute or two yeah yeah i i, I should think so <laughs> i heard it on the uh on the uh exfiltration infiltration thing uh in one of the uh, uh earlier nafs meetings uh i was at a meeting with uh, well as jeff baker was putting on a presentation actually here in london um and uh, a guy from uh, hamilton uh, uh was up here and uh and he said um they you know discussion about nafs discussion about nafs and and uh and and why you know what why we have all you know why there's this big concern with uh, uh infiltration of water and he says, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why there's a problem these days with water coming into houses. Because you can suck water through, uh, you can suck water through a straw, but you can't suck water through a six inch pipe. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, so basically his point was that we're building the houses too tight. And there's uh, negative uh, negative pressure uh, inside the house that's drawing the, that's drawing the water in. What do you what do you think of that theory, Phil? <laughs> well, it, it it gets back to the to the whole issue of uh, proper design. Um, you know, in in cheap housing, you go into house cheap houses, and you might see the return not on the floor where it belongs, um, but on the uh, right next to the ceiling. Um, you go into houses. Uh, and if you're going to have heat coming through the floor, it's great if they're coming near the window because it will prevent condensation near the window. It'll yeah. lower the risk of it. Um, people do all sorts of things that are not right. Uh, when you're designing a tight house, uh, you can design a house that is as tight as uh, the space station, but you have to design into it um, air circulation, mechanical air circulation, that uh, provides enough circulation to, to meet uh, ASHRAE requirements and, and uh, recommendations. Right. It's, you know, so he's, he's, he's kind of wrong on that score. On the, on the other hand, typically uh, there will be, even in, in a typical house, uh, there, there will be issues with uh, uh, air either being sucked in or, or pushed out, depending on, on, on what you're doing. Um, you know, most houses are not designed uh, that perfectly. We, you know, we're, yeah. they're starting to, at the high end, build houses that have really well-sealed perimeters, uh, envelopes, and at the same time have the kind of air circulation controlled systems that work. I don't live in one of those. My house is a, a worker's home from 1883, and mm. I know the, uh, the knitting mill that uh, the people who lived in this house worked in two blocks away, huh. you know, um, 
So I really don't have to worry about air getting out. That's no. for sure. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> well, since since we're on since we're on air pressure, um, how familiar are you with uh, with this rain screen idea of John Eeks? Uh, Jan Eeks, I should yeah. say that uh, that, that Eeks, he put yeah. around. Yeah, well, it's not it's not just his idea. Um, right. Yeah. There yeah, there have been people that have been uh, promoting the concept of rain screen windows in residential windows and are absolutely against uh, uh, find uh, find uh, uh, what we'll call a face a face sealed window right uh, to be abhorrent. Now, um, even uh, some of the codes that require the use of uh, head and sill flashing, which are often unfortunately ignored mm. in the industry, um, assume that no matter how well you seal a window on day one, that uh, sooner or later water is going to get by. Uh, do you go out and check for the caulking of every window in your house, you know, every year right. uh, in September? Um, do you recaulk? Uh, do, you, do you find places where uh, maybe some kind of an insect has, has damaged it or it's dried out and cracked? Um, whatever it is, um, you know, sooner or later, the elements start to win. Mm -hmm. um, so what, ha what the thought is, well, let's not, let's not fight the elements. Let's uh, build our windows in such a way that we assume the, that water is going to get by the initial exterior surface. Now, at the initial exterior surface, that water could be in a driven rain at a fairly high pressure. Mm -hmm. By the way, when people want to test their windows using a hose, uh, it makes people like me cringe because it is not uh, the same as any kind of a rain. It's just this force in one spot, deadly. Yeah. But the idea is that uh, if you have driven rain, let it get by the first surface if it has to, you know, if it's strong enough to do that. But once it's inside the window cavity, now there's no pressure. Uh, it can just drop down to the bottom. You have a uh, properly uh, a proper sill pan of some nature down there, where the water can, under its own uh, the weight of gravity, can just roll back out the front. And the that's basically what a rain screen is. And high rises are, are tend to be built that way. Commercial stuff is built that way. Right. You know, I'm sorry if anybody out there really knows what they're talking about, because remember, I did start this off saying that my my level of expertise is is <laughs> somewhat somewhat limited. So I apologize. Uh, yeah, you sound like you're getting it. Yeah, that is the concept. Yeah. Um, so it, it's certainly certainly uh, from an engineering point of view, he's absolutely Jan is absolutely correct, as are all the other people that promote it. Um, is it likely to happen as a, as a rule? Um, probably not. Uh, uh, the level of expertise to do it um, would change the nature. I mean, Tim Horton's uh, in window installation course would have to change drastically. You know about the Tim Horton's window installation course, don't you? I, I don't. Do oh, tell. well, you see... Pete is sitting at a Tim Hortons, down in his luck, having a cup of coffee. And George yeah. walks in. Yeah. And George says, hey, Pete, how are you doing? Yeah. 
He says, oh, oh, not so good, you know. And George says, ah, oh, you're still looking for work? And Pete says, well, yeah, I, I, I haven't found anything. Well, I'll tell you what, you can come and be my assistant. Hmm. But I, I thought you were uh, uh, Joe's assistant. Uh, yeah, but Joe taught me everything he knows. And now uh, I'm going to do the simple jobs. And uh, I need an assistant. Yeah. Wow. And I'll teach you everything that I know. <laughs> and that is the Tim Hortons University as to how bad habits of fenestration installation get transferred from one to the next to the next to the next. I. I you get I, it. I, I absolutely get it. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you it's know, very common. <laughs> you know, it's an industry unlike uh, many industries. You have to have a ticket. You have to be an apprentice. You have to do this. You have to, all sorts of things you have to do to show that you know the codes. You can qualify. If the fenestration industry ever got its act together, mm -hmm. um, and that occurred then you could probably uh, move into uh, a, uh, a, a range screen type of, of installation principle more successfully. Another, another problem with it, of course, is that it probably would raise the cost of the installation a little bit. And mm -hmm. consumers themselves are, uh, sometimes they drive the industry to do things that aren't quite as good. If you get two people going in and one's price is, you know, like 10 cents higher uh, per square foot because they're, they're doing it a little better, mm -hmm. some customers will appreciate that and many customers will just go for, won't see the difference. They won't understand the difference. Yeah. Uh, that, that can be a problem too. There's been a lot of discussion about, um, about uh, how you would integrate a nail flange into that design. Uh, if you want, if, if you had uh, nailing flanges on your, on your windows, there's discussion about uh, how to insulate. I, I think um, <clears throat> there's concern about uh, cold air getting in past the insulation uh, in the wall, um, essentially that it would create a thermal break that might screw you up. Uh, well, you also have to differentiate between a new construction installation and a retrofit installation. Yeah. And a lot of the problems you're describing really, really uh, are retrofit related. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't really put a nail fin in a retrofit installation unless you're prepared to take off siding and you certainly can't do it if you've got brick. Yeah. Um, but that does not mean that you could not basically do a rain screen installation um, because basically what you're doing is you're leaving the opportunity for water to uh, drip out at the bottom with, this, with uh, as I said, a sill pan kind of a surface that uh, protects the uh, interior, uh, the hidden interior of uh, the window installation and opening. Um, choice of words here isn't perfect, but hopefully you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, well, me. don't I, you have I, to... My choice of words can be like, uh, like Joe Biden's. <laughs> Don't don't you have to, um, but don't you have to have the wall design kind of with that in mind too, though? Because there was something about uh, being able to let the air pressure balance in, even inside the wall cavity, um, well, and that it, isn't it, always it can, done. It can be done. It can it can yeah. be done. I mean, like, uh, um, reminds me of uh, something once in a test lab uh, where I was testing for. Uh, uh, the water resistance level back in the A440 uh, uh, days of the B rating. 
Mm -hmm. And the guy in the test lab said, uh, I'll show you an interesting trick. And the trick is there's the trick that he showed me. There are two tricks he showed me. The first trick, which is very common now in Windows, is uh, uh, that to drain the interior of, of the window channel in a frame separate from the exterior. And this is where you'll see two drain holes, uh, one on top of the other oh. in a window. Mm -hmm. So it's basically assuming that the, uh, um, the, diff the where is the location where the inside stops being the inside and the outside begins. Mm -hmm. Is that the exterior surface of the window, the interior surface of the window? In this case, it's, it's somewhere down the middle of the window because you're treating, uh, for, for water purposes, you're treating them differently. You're treating the outer half of the window like it's exposed and the inner half of the window more protected. Yeah. The other trick yeah. that he had was he made little holes in the top of the window frame in a hidden location so that um, when water came in and started going up uh, the sides of a frame, mm -hmm. that uh, uh, the little holes didn't allow it to uh, uh, to get up there with, and with build up pressure that would push it back down fast and some of which would go in. Oh. It, uh, it, uh, another, another bit of a pressure equalization system. And uh, it's amazing what those things did in the test lab. Yeah, they, yeah, it really, uh, it really makes a, it really makes a, a, a surprising difference. I've, uh, I've watched Jan's video of the, uh, you know, the little holes he drilled and the, the, the spraying water on the outside, and, 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 and what happens when you make the pressure in the chamber? When you change the pressure in the chamber, it can make the water just come squirting in. Where if you, if you balance the pressure, there's nothing at all. Uh, that's and, what I'm uh, kind of trying to say. Yeah. John says it so much more eloquently. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's, fun. He, he's, he's fun. And he, well, he's, he, he's been doing it for a long time. So <laughs> there you go. Right. Um, on that, on that, I want to go back to that, um, that ERU value, uh, uh, debate because, because one of the, one of the things, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do this market transformation thing at NRCAN where they're trying to get everybody to buy, uh, higher performing windows, uh, you know, with the objective of sure. getting this 0.08 and, uh, well, that's the U value that they've, that they've been talking about. I'm not sure what the ER might've been 35 or 40 or something. Well, uh, they, they've actually been kind of hinting at that maybe, uh, they're going to have to get rid of the ER and they right. kind of, they floated that one out there at times. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny because for years the whole thing was the other way around, where Energy Star was favoring solar solar gain in certain ways that it approached things, and it was driving companies that made uh, more solar shield products crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, is is that uh, is that because? Um uh canadians are using are, are now have all air conditioning in their houses all the time and they have as far as energy use you have to be just concerned about just as concerned about driving air conditioning as you do about driving heat would that be where that change is coming um, from do you think or i i think maybe there there is some connection to that um i think they're also they're looking at uh houses that are being built being tighter in general mm. and that uh that that solar gain is, as I pointed out earlier, with the Energy Star for new construction, uh, can can sometimes become somewhat problematic. Um, 
the uh, the other side of things, and uh, just to relate a quick quick little yeah. story from a meeting that I was at in Ottawa at one point a few few years ago, not too many years ago, and that was when uh, they were basically introducing this this whole concept of getting down to uh, U values of uh, point point. I guess 0.9. You said 0.08, but I think it was more like 0.8, 0.9. Yeah. Um, and uh, talking about uh, present-day technologies, and what uh, one engineer said from the back of the room is, uh, "So we're going to be selling windows with sunglasses." Yeah. <laughs> and and what he meant, of course, was that. Uh, um, if you're, you're going, going to get that rating with present technology, you are going to have to use a triple glazed window with three layers of blowy, including my personally hated exposed interior layer, which I am one of the people that absolutely detests. Right, right. That was one of your, that was your uh, condensation column, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a condensation column. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think your heading on that was go forth and condensate. Yeah, go forth and condensate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Re recap um, that. Recap that for us, Phil. What 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 was what what's the problem with the the low E on that on the interior surface? Okay, picture a piece of glass. Yeah. And if the low E is on uh, the surface that is inside the sealed unit. Yeah. Heat from your house in the winter travels through the glass, hits the low E, and a big portion of it bounces back and travels through the glass a second time. Okay. Okay. If you put the low E on surface four, that reflected heat no longer travels through the glass. The result is that the surface of the glass inside your home is significantly cooler. And if you take the uh, Lawrence Berkeley Labs um, Windows program. I hate that it's named Windows because it's very confusing. But mm -hmm. you take their program and you run some uh, center of glass testing. Mm -hmm. What you'll find is that the difference between the a clear sealed unit and a unit with two low E's, one of which is on surface four, the surface temperature of the surface inside the house isn't significantly different. And that brings us back to the pre-low-E early 80s, where in October, dealers would get all these angry phone calls from homeowners who said, I just spent a ton of money replacing my windows. I've never had condensation before on my windows, and now I'm getting condensation. Uh, mm -hmm. Because with the clear sealed units, what was happening is uh, the installations were actually tightening up the building envelope. The level of humidity inside the house relative humidity was rising mm -hmm. uh, because they weren't used to using their bathroom fan, their kitchen fans, you know, um, yeah. their humidity level was going up. And uh, now with the sealed unit, they, they were getting condensation they didn't get before because of exfiltration of air carrying moisture. Okay. And of course, when the dealer says to the homeowner, well, just open your window a crack. The homeowner, you can almost hear the gun cock as they're, they're saying, Where, what's your address again? You know, so they, yeah. Because what you're basically saying is you don't have, if you don't have a proper system for mechanically controlling the humidity in your ear, uh, you got to open a window. And you can go on government websites that will basically say that. Hmm. Wow.
Yeah, that, well, that, that, I'm that not a fan of. I'm not a fan of that surface. Throw in the fact that that's a, that uh, I've never met uh, a coating that a determined homeowner couldn't damage. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so well, and and you know we've seen we've seen. Uh, uh, well, I, I I think NRCAN is you know they've kind of mellowed their 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 language a little bit as far as you know really trying to force this before the technology is ready um do, do you see do you see anything coming up technology wise phil that that that, that will enable uh well, the okay I, I, that, this is a softball question thing all right here we go okay so uh one of the things that's uh been talked about and i know that uh, there are companies large companies that have played around with us I, at one point, uh, had a job with the Freedom to do a lot of R&D, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I did was I brought in some special sealed units from China, where they had uh, one of two or three technologies in the world for making vacuum sealed units mm -hmm. that did not look like polka dots. Oh. Now, uh, years and years ago, I saw a vacuum sealed unit and the way it was made a vacuum is it had these acrylic circlets for lack of a better word yeah. that uh, were, were intersp interspersed inside the sealed unit to prevent the sealed unit from collapsing. Right. Okay. It looked like a piece of crap. Yeah. No way in the world that was ever going to be functional. So the new vacuum sealed units basically have uh, something printed on the glass, I'm told, that's, that's more like uh, uh, the way a uh, circuit board is printed. Very small, very thin, very hard to see, and the glass is very close together. So, because in a vacuum, it doesn't really matter what size your uh, gap between the glasses. It's right. a vacuum. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, and so I would I brought some some pre-made units in from from a Chinese company that was one of the three in the world that I knew of. I think one was in Germany. I think one might have been in Australia. Um, the problem was the the sealant because I couldn't even get these things to the test lab before they had failed 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I know that uh, one large class company. I'm I'm being careful here not to use names. Yeah. One large class company had done the sort of look like they were going to really promote this, and they were out there doing it. And I haven't heard much about it in the last year or two. So hmm. I don't know if they've gotten soured on it or if they're working on it quietly. Wherever that's that's one technology. Hmm. Um. Now here's an interesting side effect of that technology. I've uh, been in situations where I've had homeowners tell me, I had these beautiful new sealed units, windows with sealed units put in. My house has never been noisier from street noise. Huh. What's wrong? And what's wrong with these windows? Okay. Well, what did you have before? Well, I had an old wood window that was painted shut with an old storm, wood storm that was painted shut. Hmm. Hmm. And now you have uh, beautiful new sealed units with no storm. Now, sorry, with no storm. Well, of course, no storms. You're right. But you know, often you'll get people that will tell you, "My, my windows are really quiet because the new window is so well sealed um, that that has a very positive effect on reducing 
the penetration of external noise into the home. But sometimes you run into this other situation. Why? Look at a chart uh, that talks about STC and IOTC ratings. By the way, STC is something that's supposed to be used for barriers in interior to a building. IOTC uh, inside outside uh, is what the IO is. That's the one that's supposed to be used for building envelopes, but strangely enough that that's kind of lost in the shuffle these days mm -hmm. um, but the problem is that a three inch air gap between two pieces of glass is a lot quieter I wanted to throw a four letter word in there but is a lot quieter than uh, a typical sealed unit with a half inch or five eighths inch airspace right um, more the distance yeah yeah the distance is, is, is really uh, makes makes the difference. So, uh, you know, the funny thing is that while you're improving energy, um, sometimes you're not necessarily improving sound transmission. Yeah, I saw I saw a presentation on uh, on on sound transmission through sealed units <clears throat> uh, with the uh, uh, Ontario o o uh, OGMA, Ontario Glass and Metal Guys. Okay, and, getting back though. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Patrick, but yeah, go know, ahead. as I said, I'm 70, I'll lose my train of thought. That's fine, yeah. Getting back to what we were talking about, turning new technologies, I would be somewhat questioning, um, uh, you know, any technology that uh, brings glass closer together. Now, the vacuum technology mm. actually should not have a problem because right. sound should not be able to get through the vacuum. So if right. they can, if they can actually solve the the problem of having durable seals. And they might claim that they have solved that problem, but I, I have yet to see it. Um, if, if that problem could be solved at a reasonable cost to the homeowner, um, I think we'd be in good shape. Um, so there's one technology that is in the lab, for lack of a better description. Another technology uh, is what's called uh, ultra-thin or narrow triples. Mm -hmm. um, Right now, to have the benefit of a triple, if you take a seven-eight, you know, opening, and uh, put a triple in it, you have, uh, uh, you know, so let's see, take take seven-eight minus three-eight, so you've got two quarter-inch airspaces. Mm -hmm. The if you want to achieve good ratings with quarter-inch airspaces, you got to use Krypton gas, and nobody's using Krypton gas in its entirety because of its cost. Often when you see somebody says they have Krypton glass, it's, uh, they're basically, uh, if you define print would be they're putting 10% Krypton in a mix that's primarily argon, and it's more a marketing scheme than uh, actually helping you because it's basically a straight line. And to go from zero, all argon to all Krypton, um, you'd, you'd have a straight sloped line and you've just gone 10% up that line and that's mm -hmm. it. Okay. Um, so it's more of a sales gimmick when it's only a small percentage. Um, but then getting back to this other triple idea and uh, the way Steve Hoplet of Energy Star described it once, he said is it's using uh, the kind of center glass that is an ultra thin kind of like a TV screen okay. material. And uh, that's something that's being talked about. And I honestly uh, don't know enough about it to comment on it. But I will comment on one other thing as you keep as you add uh, lights. 
you're also adding uh, additional perimeter sealant points where uh, the glass could could fail. Now, back in the the good old days, to me, mm. um, you know, we had our single single sealed glass and dual sealed glass, and the dual sealed glass uh, put a secondary sealant. So you had one one seal that was uh, primarily the adhesive, and another seal that was very specifically there as your 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 barrier to uh, air getting in, getting out. And uh, um, when you go to triple, you've now doubled the potential for a perimeter seal leakage if it's not perfectly well made. Right. And sadly, I was once in a factory. Uh, well, I'll give a couple of examples. I went into a factory, a well-known factory, that was not at that point making their own glass. And it was the first time I'd ever been in that factory because I had always worked for, for their most immediate competitors. And the second I was not working for an immediate competitor, the owner very nicely invited me to come in and see his factory. Okay. And I went up to a skid of glass. And I could, if I say the term wetting, if you look at where the, through the glass at the edge mm -hmm. where it touches the seal, mm -hmm. it generally gets very dark. Right. If you if it's not actually touching the seal, it isn't as dark. Mm -hmm. And I showed him. I pointed out gaps where his company supplying him with the glass. Uh, he had like two inch. There were two inch gaps. It wasn't a sealed unit. Um, it looked like a sealed unit. Smelled like a sealed unit, but it wasn't a sealed unit. Yeah. Uh, that company very, fairly shortly after that, mm -hmm. I believe, started making its own glass. Uh, in their own factory. So that's, I guess, how they solve that problem. Hmm. Um, another factory that I went into, which went out of business, no surprise, one of the owners, I pointed out something very similar to one of the owners, and he said, uh, Phil, you're absolutely right. If I spent the time to make my sealed units perfectly correct and perfectly sealed, I'd have to charge so much that my customers wouldn't buy it from me. There you go. There um, you go. Take that for what it's worth, but I'm yeah. basically quoting somebody who, uh, <clears throat> nice enough guy, but the quality of what they made had a real problem, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that company is gone. Yeah. Well, that you know, could be some short-term thinking. Could be the market the guy happened to be in. You know that that's that stuff. That stuff goes on, right? It um. Back on the back on the uh, vacuum glass, I think um, that th that's interesting. Was it was it some kind of a like a like a transparent frit they were putting on the inside to, uh, like you say, like in a circuit board type uh, pattern? Or? If, if if you looked at it and you knew it was there, you could probably see these little dots. Okay. Just a little slight off color dot, not big enough to, you know, to to really create a problem. Mm -hmm. But it was there, and it was it was as far as I was led to believe it was put on a surface of the glass uh, in much the same way that a circuit board is uh, mm. created. That's why I use that as my cheap metaphor. Yeah, I, I think they've um, I, you know, and I've I've talked to guys uh, people that uh, you know feel like they've they've solved the ceiling problem uh, and and had trouble with the uh, I don't know what you want to call them the the, the 
the beads, the the, the separators, visual, the, the separators. Well, they they have problem. The, the main problem with the separators, that uh, at, at least from the vacuum people I've spoken to, is uh, is the process. Um, you, you basically, like you say, it's 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 almost like a circuit board creation process. Uh, you essentially have to have a pick and place robot putting these things on, um, or or people who are very meticulous and always do it right, uh, which is uh, slow and not easy to find. So uh, th these seem to be the the, the great barriers to uh, to getting uh, well, a mass-produced VIG. Yeah, we do have an industry where where slow um, and expensive is often not uh, not what the end consumer is prepared to pay for no. uh, when they don't necessarily believe or see the difference. Hmm. A lot of a lot of the problems the industry have are are driven by the consumer. Yeah. And some of the problems are are in essence driven by uh, uh, how government regulation, which I'm by the way, you know, I'm a strong supporter of Energy Star and programs like that. But some yeah. of how the the regulations are are uh, put in place, not enforced, whatever, uh, can also uh, make life weird. One of my favorite things in that score, and uh, once again, I, I might be a little out of date here, but uh, building inspector goes into a house building and says, uh, I'm sorry, this uh, this entry door that you've uh, put in here, um, where's, where's the sticker that shows that it meets NAFs? Um, well, it, it doesn't meet NAFs. Oh, well, take it out and put in a door that meets NAFs. Inspector comes back a month later and says, okay, um, I see that this door meets NAFs, but this door uh, is also required to have a, uh, um, a wheelchair accessible sill. Mm. It, it no longer, it had a wheelchair accessible sill, but now it doesn't. Yeah. Two, parts of the, two parts of the building code that when, they, when NAFs was put in place were in contradiction. So huh. the government can also make life difficult. I, I, something else I thought of actually that I wanted to mention because we were talking about condensation at one point in time. Yeah. So here's a riddle for you, Patrick. Yeah, okay. What do, it, what do you say to a customer that calls you and says, I have condensation in the morning on the outside of my window? You say, I don't know what you say. You say your window's too good. Your windows, you've got Pretty a really, close. you've you got think, a really great window. Yeah. It's, it's like con say congratulations. That yeah. is the proof yeah. that your window <laughs> is holding heat in the house to the point where it's not warming up the outside surface of the glass. That's right. And the person right. says, what are you talking about? Saying, well, did you also have condensation on your car and on your patio furniture, yeah. your metal patio furniture? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Your temperature uh, you was have the a surface same. That, that's not heated. This is actually a problem over the last number of years that uh, as the quality, the performance quality of windows and glass has gotten better. Mm -hmm. um, this is a, a problem that never happened back in the dark ages that I no. came out of, but it is certainly something that's happening now. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that's, that, that 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 actually could become a big problem because I, I I can't remember if it was you but someone was telling me a story of of somebody having a big beautiful new picture window installed and and they spared no expense and and got the very most energy efficient thing that that they could get 
and uh, and 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 they were, you know, a month later, we're all mad because because the window would frost up in the morning to the point where you couldn't see out of it. <laughs> so that that wasn't me, but uh, that that sounds quite feasible. But I'll give you another one that's pretty funny. Uh huh. Got a call from a dealer. Said Phil, you got to come to my house and uh, join me for an espresso in in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. So we're in his house. He says, "Watch, you know, uh, oh, it's about time now. Watch what happens with this window." And basically, the sun at that point in time, at that time of year, uh-huh. is moving across the window, and it hits very quickly. It's it's almost like an eclipse of the sun in the fact of how how long it lasts. As the sun moves across the 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 light moves across the glass at a certain angle. Mm-hmm. The glass goes opaque. Okay. I'm not just talking about, you know, frosty or dim. It goes opaque until the entire thing is opaque. And then from the first side that went opaque, it starts to lighten up again. And that, that takes a little bit of time as the angle of the sun hitting the glass changes. Okay. You know what that is? No. What's going on there? Well, I always like to describe low-E coating as uh, these microscopic mirrors that are spread on your glass. Now, if you have a big mirror and you look in it, it's opaque. It reflects back to you, looking at it and combing your hair, whatever you're doing at the mirror, adjusting your bow tie. I don't know what it would be. But um, when you have these microscopic mirrors, if the sun hits them at an angle where... Uh, they are relative to the sun more lined closely together. Mm-hmm. It basically starts to reflect the light from the sun back to the point where it can go opaque. Sunglasses. Um, <laughs> sort of. Call it whatever I, you want. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the dealer and I looked at each other and had another espresso. What are you going to do? I mean, it's the proof. It Once again, that proved that uh, his glass had low E on it. Yeah, it had low E and it was working. But yep. that's, wow, that's amazing. I, I did not know you could, I did not know you could get an effect like that with low E. It does. I mean, you've got to have the window in the exact location relative to the sun yeah. at a particular time of the year and a particular time of the day when you're actually looking at it. In his case, it was exactly the time of day that he went into his kitchen and made himself an espresso on his very expensive espresso <laughs> machine. Well, you remember, you remember the silliness where they were accusing the low E coatings of uh, melting the siding on people's houses? Oh, it's not uh, an accusation. It's, the, uh, it's, it's somewhat true. And, but I I, th- I thought that was I thought that was all malarkey because they, they, they there was there was no way that the low E could actually have been have been doing that. But was okay. Let me theorize because okay. I believe I believe that it can happen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you drive through tracks of fairly cheap housing, yeah. Look at the glass. What do you see? It's 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 cheap. It's uh, it's clear. No, it's not clear because it's being the builder. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, okay. yeah. Here's, here's the problem, okay? Yeah. Let's say that you make your sealed unit on a flat horizontal table. You put your fierce piece of glass on it. Okay. You put your second, which is now sitting on the table, nice and flat. 
Mm-hmm. You put your spacer on it, mm-hmm. and then you put your second piece of glass on it. Okay. Okay? Yeah. If you seal that unit just like that and then set it vertically, it is now hourglassed because oh. the top glass, the bigger the sealed unit is, the top glass will tend to sag in the middle. Oh. So what you should do is before you do a final seal on your units, and I know many manufacturers that do this right, is you go and you look at a rack of sealed units that were made horizontally that are now sitting vertically, and there's still a hole in them where they're going to put the argon gas in. Okay. And while it's sitting vertically, the, the, the sealed unit will lose its hourglass effect and go back to uh, being more vertical. Okay. 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 Um, but if you look at these cheap new construction uh, tracks, you will also be able to look at the glass and just see the hourglass effect in the glass. Okay. And that hourglass effect. Uh, I think I know the, what you're talking about. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And when, if you have a sealed unit that's designed to have a half inch airspace, mm-hmm. well, if it has a half inch airspace at the perimeter and it was made the way I described, uh, it may have a uh, um, three eighths or dead of winter, if it was made in summer, dead of winter, even less. Uh, there have been units that have been known to explode because the glass touched, they were big enough that the glass actually ended up in the dead of winter touching in the center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are all the fun little things that you run into with yeah. the, uh, in 36 years of the window industry. Yeah. So the concept is that if the hourglass effect is enough, it could focus the light in some kind of... Getting back to that, that concerns glass. me. If you have low E on a Surface 2, yeah. and now it's... it's uh, I remember as a kid being bit of a tear we we came across a convex mirror Mm -hmm. and we mounted it on a wagon and we would drive around to drive the push the wagon around the neighborhood and oh there look at that leaf that's a nice brown leaf and we would focus the sun's light on the brown leaf with our convex mirror and guess what yeah it'll burn it'd burn yeah uh so yeah i i think it's uh i think it's entirely real and possible once again uh, if the stars align in the worst possible way for uh, siding, particularly cheap siding, next to a window that is somewhat convex with the sun at the exact right angle at a particular time of day, you know, as I said, with the stars aligned in the worst possible way, it can happen. Huh. That's something else. Well, I know they definitely did have a problem with it happening with uh... – uh, a uh, commercial bill, a high rise in uh, the UK. Uh, I think somebody's car got melted or burned or something uh, from uh, from that. So that's uh, the new it's, one it's on me, fun. but I believe you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was years ago, but uh, it was a story. Listen, Phil, we've been going for an hour here. What <laughs> I, I, I I love the stories. I, I was here. worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about. Uh, no, 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 no. It, it, it's it's it, it. You know, if you if you get going on some of this stuff, you can you can do more. And I and I and I think there's more we can do. But you know what we're gonna do 
is we're going to let you get another column out there. Well, you've got one coming up in our in our summer issue, and uh, and then we're going to have you back on here and uh, and talk about that column and see where see where the discussion leads us from there. So. Uh, Listen. Oh, uh, you just want to up my stress level? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I just want to. I just want to keep you, uh, keep, keep you working for free as much as possible. <laughs> well, uh, at this point, uh, um, I have uh, retired from Gem Windows uh, yep. due to the COVID situation. Yeah. Um, I do have some expectation that I will be uh, blabbing away technically uh, in some sense uh, with a physician toward the end of the year but uh okay well more about that later well keep us yeah keep us keep us posted for sure phil and 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 i i, I am going to get you back to uh if if you'll if you'll consent to it to uh to uh talk about your next column and uh, you know thank thanks for the great discussion today and uh we'll uh we'll we'll get this all packaged up and uh and uh out there to the your adoring public very soon I'm not sure I have an adoring public. Uh, in fact, I know that I've been on some uh, blacklists over the years in the industry, but that's a topic that I'd probably end up having lawsuits if I started to talk about. Just makes you all the more fascinating, Phil. That's great stuff. Listen, thanks a lot, and I'll uh, and I'll let you go for today. Okay, Patrick. All right. Take talk care. To, Behave talk to you yourself. Yeah, you as well. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.